Hello and welcome to Style and Substance, a branding and business podcast for inspired and empowered entrepreneurs. I'm Elizabeth Cairns and together with my fabulous co-host Fiona Humberstone, we're here to help you sidestep the hustle, keep joy at the forefront of your work and champion a more meaningful and sustainable approach to business. We'll talk about everything from purpose to productivity, from colour psychology to creativity, where to start and how to keep going, how to stay inspired, empowered, and more importantly, sane in the process. We hope you enjoy the show. And if you do, please like, share, subscribe, and keep listening. Hello and welcome back to Style and Substance and Season 4. Apologies for the extended hiatus, but we have been inundated with work this spring as it is our busiest time. Fee has been plugging away at a brilliant new online course with Cecilina and I have been out and about in the field with various clients and working on various book projects. So I hope Season 4 is worth the wait. Our first episode is one I'm very excited about because I get to pick Fee's brains on colour psychology and we've got a load more recorded in the bag for you and hopefully it will be a good season. So happy listening, thanks for joining us and do please give us your comments, your feedbacks, your questions and the all-important reviews. Thank you so much and happy listening. Hello, hello, welcome back to another episode of Style and Substance. And I am chomping at the bit today because I am going to be digging into Fee's gargantuan brain on the topic of colour psychology, which I know we've promised to talk about endlessly and lots of people have been asking. So this is obviously something we will no doubt talk about again, but this is our first opportunity to start to get into this amazing subject that is so hot in all things branding and business at the moment and doesn't seem to be going away, which is amazing. So yeah, excited. How are you feeling, Fee? I'm feeling very excited. Yeah. It's going to be great. So obviously, colour psychology is woven in to so much of what you do, what you teach, um, your approach with your clients. What is it about it that's so powerful for you, for both entrepreneurs and designers? I think it's just the ability to cut to the chase of what matters, what doesn't, and how to connect with people literally sometimes in a nanosecond, but very mm. often, you know, in, in minutes, if not in hours. And, and I've been able to use it in a way that's been able to cut through in a way that just hasn't been possible for that entrepreneur in the past and that is incredibly powerful but it's also something that makes a big difference commercially and I think that's what's really exciting because it helps you communicate connect create a brand that really resonates with people at a deep and long-lasting level Mm, amazing and this cut through you're talking about is when you're having a conversation with an entrepreneur about the essence of their business maybe or or where they need to sit in the market or what their commercial edge is and colour psychology gives you a framework to get to that clarity very quickly doesn't it yeah how does it do that in broad terms oh gosh I mean I suppose colour psychology in its own sort of original format doesn't is the truth it's one part of the toolkit that I use to get there. Mm. 
So I guess that's the first thing to say is probably, and I think this is sometimes where color psychology gets a bit of a bad rap. So I've had designers talk to me about me being the expert on color theory. And I'm like, no, it's so much more than color palettes. It's not really about the hues at all. So to go back to your original question, how does color psychology help me create that cut through? I did not invent color psychology. This amazing lady called Angela Wright came up with this theory in the 1970s. She was living in the Lake District in the north of England long before we started seeing the effects of climate change and or certainly on a large scale. And we had very distinct seasons. And what she noticed, and the lakes is amazing. You really are immersed in the elements and in the seasons. Mm. And what she noticed, she noticed a few things. So her parents owned a B&B. And she noticed, firstly, that the rooms, the colours that the rooms were painted in were having an impact on how the guests were in the morning. So I think she talks about this yellow bedroom and how every, you know, you would think that a yellow bedroom was so cheery and uplifting, but actually everyone would come down really grumpy because they hadn't slept very well. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And so she started looking into it, I think, at that point. and, And she then started to see this big correlation between the energy that you have in the seasons, in what's going on in nature around you in a particular season, and the energy that that particular season brings and people's personalities and characteristics. Mm. And that's almost the real starting point is each season has a particular energy and characteristic and you can use that to harness personality. In my case, I use it for branding. And the reason that that matters is when a, a brand has a personality, it's easier to connect with it. You know, we don't want to connect with faceless corporations we want to connect with brands that we feel something about Mm. something for so it's it's a really powerful tool but kind of out of the box it's useful but it's limited in its application for branding so you need Mm. to bring a whole lot more of a level of insight and creativity and flair and and a whole new level of process, actually, if you're going to use it for branding. Yeah. And you've really built on Angela's work, haven't you? And developed that process and that underpinning foundation and and quite a complex and subtle approach to using colour psychology for branding. So how would you say the foundations that Angela brought have been evolved through Mm. your work? And what does it now look like in its application for branding? So we learned from... Bernay Leighty, who was taught by Angela directly. So Bernay really gave us a solid foundation in the seasons and the, the personalities of the seasons, and also how that translated through to the colours and the kinds of impact that would have on the brand values. So we looked at the, the typical kind of businesses that would be spring business, so PR businesses, creative businesses would typically be spring, wedding businesses would typically be summer, high-end businesses would typically be winter, and 
artisanal or or um social enterprises would typically be autumn so we kind of took that as our starting point with bernay and looked at how we could bring more cohesion and more i guess just more more flair more cohesion was the big thing you know we mm. looked at how different fonts lent themselves to different seasons different tones lent themselves to different seasons and it was almost as much about what we left out more to be honest about what we left out than what we put in and what we found from implementing what Benet taught us was that suddenly everything just started to fall into place mm. so it was easier to create a vision for a client it was easier to hit on a design it was easier to create work that the client loved it was easier to get it signed off and as a I had a design agency at that point as a design team it was so much easier to communicate within the team because we could just say oh Elizabeth's got an autumn brand and instantly we would know not that we should be using browns and oranges for you but actually that your colors needed to have some weight to them so they'd be intense that mm. we weren't going to use bright tones we mm. would know that you would probably want typefaces that had some substance to them so again it's that sense of weightiness probably mm. um we might know that you would want maybe an uncoated paper stock or that your images should be in uh, should have rounded corners so it wasn't too sharp and too harsh mm. so it really really helped us get out of the blocks and it yeah. was it changed my business actually it changed my design business it it made us much more creatively confident it helped us create quite a distinctive style so at mm. this point design agencies were mostly male owned um, they had a very male style and we were creating work that was really engaging and, and really mm. personal and really personable and it got us noticed across well across the world which yeah. you know I say this often but that was rare in 2010. Well, yeah, we didn't have social media. It was, you know, blog no. blogging was the way. And that, that it did. You, you suddenly did have that massive global reach, which was really unusual yeah. for all of those businesses around us at the time in our smaller networks. It was great. So yeah. that's given me some sort of insight. You know, when you said before about it, it's not just about the hues. It's called colour psychology, but you've already given us some indicators of the other aspects of the brand that it now encompasses with this sort of development that you've brought in, the photography, the typography, the paper stock you might use, the the shapes and, and those subtleties. So we know that it's not just about colour, but also mm -hmm. having sort of watched that journey that you've taken from the studio and how you're now applying colour psychology. What I sort of heard you say there was we identified the season that the business sat within and then we had that sort of framework to build it out. Mm -hmm. But actually, you're doing things in a slightly different way now aren't you and yeah. not getting boxed yeah. into the seasons because I think that's one of the things that we hear quite a lot isn't it people being obsessed with well what season is my business and actually yeah. what I've noticed is you're trying to move people away from that so that they can get actually the clarity that matters and the season isn't necessarily the clarity that matters isn't it can you talk to us around that a bit more yeah so I guess you know from from those early moments when we were thinking okay well it's uh you know 
they're accountants, so therefore they're going to be summer or maybe autumn, or it's you know it's a an orchestra, so they're definitely going to be summer. We mm. well, you know, actually, let's think about what music that orchestra plays and what style they bring and how they want to come across and what sets that orchestra apart from any other because actually Mm. the whole point with branding is that you're creating a space for yourself in that market that no one else can own so if you're you know you're an orchestra let's say you're a wedding singer's band you don't want to be the same as everybody else otherwise you are consistently booking on price only you've got to compete on price when you carve yourself out a unique niche and you're known for something that you are uniquely brilliant at Mm. suddenly if people want you well they've got to pay within reason what the market will bear what you want to charge or they're not going to get a piece of your amazing magic so the whole point with branding for me is that it's not about saying okay, they're an orchestra, therefore it will be formal and it will be traditional and it will be classical and they will be summer. It's about going, okay, well, what is it that sets this orchestra apart? You know, Mm. maybe they're a bit funky. Maybe they are hyper-classical. But, you know, even within that space, it's about finding the other orchestras that they might compete with. I don't know why I've picked orchestras because it's not it's not a specialism <laughs> of mine. But you know, whatever it is, you're thinking about what is it that really, really sets them apart and really channeling that down. And, you know, we take this huge, huge, huge amount of context and you distill it down and you distill it down until you've got that space and you found what it is that captures the essence Mm. of that brand. And what excites me about this approach is that the possibilities are infinite. Yeah. So, you know, we might say, well, this orchestra, I really dug digging myself a hole with orchestras. You're much more musical than me. (laughs) Um, (laughs) What, 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 what words might we have for orchestra? (laughs) Um, I don't know. They they could be ref- refined and classical, or they could be contemporary and edgy. They could be. They might be creative and off the wall yeah. and authentic, for argument's sake. I always like to have three because three it seems to be the perfect number to get that focus and that clarity that you need as an entrepreneur to mm. communicate with clarity. But it also. Two isn't quite enough. So I, I refined and classical, you haven't quite got enough no. to create an edge. Whereas yeah. if we have, and, and to be honest, if I was doing this, I'd probably say, well, refined and classical is asking the same thing, same thing. really. Yeah. So let's try and find three things that really sum up the difference and the value in what your clients are getting from you as a particular orchestra. So my daughter's in a youth orchestra. And if I was to just sort of think, okay, they're excellent at what they do. They have a really high standard of musicianship, but they're youthful, they're vibrant, they're entertaining. Do those three give you enough to get underneath? Uh, I mean, I would need like an hour's context in the background to tell you whether they were the right things. But it certainly feels, I I can feel like a tangible sense of 
of what that might be. And I can get a grasp and I can picture them. And I think Mm. it's about thinking about, well, who's buying into the youth orchestra? Actually, it's you, the parent, that's paying the bills as much as anything else. So actually, Mm. with a youth orchestra, you're not just looking at the music that they're turning out. You're looking at the development, the way that they nurture your kids, the way, you know, Mm. is it... No, so we have the UD menu in school up the road from us. Mm. Um, I'm casting no aspersions, but my sense is that nurturing is not the top reason that you send your child to the UD menu in. Yeah. <laughs> it's about excellence. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, there's probably a difference between. Yeah, the Chiltern Music Academy is about community. Exactly. And nurturing and development and, and, and all of those things. Yeah. yeah. So it's really about thinking about well, how do we want to come across? And you'll notice I haven't started talking about any seasons here, really. Yes. yes. So it's it's really about getting to the heart of what it's about. But what I do notice is that because I've been practicing this for so long, I can create this sense of, I think cohesion is probably the best word for it, faster. Mm. So I was doing a workshop couple of weeks ago and actually I so I I create these mock briefs and and the students can create a mood board from that and one of the students had taken this brand which was a it's it was a spring workshop and it was this lovely Scandi French inspired children's clothing company and her three brand words were something like cute Okay, so that that kind of makes sense. Heirloom, again, that makes sense. And luxury. Mm. Now, luxury for me really jarred. I suppose what I love about colour psychology is it keeps everything really lovely and neat. It it yeah. helps me make sense of everything. And yeah. I know that designers can get really frustrated with clients who don't know what they want, constantly ask for changes, constantly want you to keep tweaking this and tweaking that and it can sometimes feel like this impossible mountain to climb and Mm. Mm. and can I just say for the purposes of those people who aren't in your process you know cute Mm. heirloom and luxury so I I can get a sense from having worked with you for so long on this stuff as to why those things jar so for example cute sits in spring heirloom might sit in summer yeah. and but luxury sits firmly in winter now to yeah. an entrepreneur who has no color psychology as a framework there's no obvious reason necessarily why those things wouldn't fit together you can have something mm. presumably that's luxury but cute as in it has a high price tag or what have you but because you're so aware of the representation of those key words actually and where they then sit within the framework of color psychology you're able to play around with which words actually convey what it is that you want to get cohesion is that is that what you're saying yeah and it's it's so hard because I realize this sounds so like academic like who really cares whether it's luxury or whether it's premium or high end well actually Mm. I think we all do because premium and high end don't feel as hard so Cute, heirloom, high-end, cute, heirloom, premium, I think flows Mm. more easily than 
cute premium, uh, cute heirloom luxury. That it doesn't have that hardness. Yeah, by hard you literally mean sort of hard edges, straight lines, how it's represented. Yeah, yeah. So I suppose as I'm saying these words, as I'm processing these words, there's a whole load of like visual cues running through my head as well. Mm. Mm. And this is where the seasons come in and the seasonal personalities and all that stuff comes in. You know, I uh, as I'm processing stuff, I'm thinking, right, well, luxury, winter, that's like geometric. It's gold, it's black, it's, it's hard lined. It's going to jar with these really pretty floral smocked French style dresses. And actually, it's not needed. It's not appropriate. There's a, there's a better way of making something feel elevated than mm. just bashing a bit of gold and a bit of black on it and saying yeah. this is high end because actually what generally happens when you do that is it ends up having the opposite effect yeah and it ends up throwing it down market yeah. but also whether on a kind of a big scale or a very subtle level it's also quite hard to communicate in a compelling way when your messaging's muddled. Yeah, absolutely. And just to backtrack as well and create that sort of link in the listeners' minds between the story you told initially of Angela and being in the lakes and seeing the influence of the seasons, you know, your translation of winter, the hard lines, the geometrics, the golds, the blacks. How do you know what sits into the season? Um, where, where are you drawing that from? Yeah, so Angela defined these in the 70s. Mm. And when we were putting together Colour Psychology for Brand Designers, you know, it's sad. But the truth is the seasons are not as distinct as they were. Things yeah. have shifted. So yeah. I did a whole year's worth of film, didn't I, to, to mm. really key into. And, like, I've been practising this stuff for 14 years now and I'm still staggered by what I notice in what's going on in the world around me and mm. how that then translates through so we're in late spring at the moment and you know even in the UK, in the UK it's palpable even to see how the growth is maturing. So there was this profusion of lime greens. When I did my colour psychology workshop in April at home, lime green on the trees, there was blossom outside, lots of kind of pops of colour. The flowers were tiny and dainty and cute and the leaves were fine and you had lots of fine lines. So that translates through to mm. polka dots, ditzy print fine clean sans serifs you know everything is very clean if you if you literally look at the leaves they are unblemished yeah. whereas you look at those same leaves in autumn and i do mm. this in the color psychology for brand designers course and also all of the immersive workshops if you look at those same leaves that were completely pure and clean and unblemished in spring they're all gnarled and wizened by autumn mm. you know it's mm. like there are weather rain spots and there are holes where insects have eaten them. And it, like, mm. it's part of the authenticity and the wisdom and the story that comes mm. with age. And it's, it's not just about those fiery defiant colors, although that's a big part of the energy of autumn. 
it's that sense of weightiness and substance. So, you know, I've got amaranthus at the moment, which are like half the height of my finger. By the autumn, they will be taller than me Mm. and they will have big chunky stems and they'll, you know, they'll be quite quirky. So it it sounds a bit wacko, I get it, but it it really, really, really does work. And it really does bring a lot of just clarity, creativity, confidence to Mm. your work, either as a designer or as an entrepreneur. Yeah. And I suppose what I'm getting at with that is you haven't just plucked this stuff out of your backside and gone, I've decided that a winter aesthetic looks like this (laughs) and a spring aesthetic looks like this. You know, it has, there's a natural order to it that you've then really studied in depth and deepened. And, And I think the thing I love about where you've taken colour psychology to in its subtlety and in its depth is once you've hit on that core brand essence, the the flexibility and the detail and the range and the scope you have with colour psychology to articulate that brilliance mm-hmm. at every level is extraordinary, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Where do we see that coming through across a whole brand? You know, if you're an entrepreneur, where where do you see colour psychology coming through in your brand? Well, it genuinely, it's everywhere. So it starts at that process of, well, what's the essence of my brand and how does it need to feel? And you use colour psychology at that point to bring more cohesion and clarity, as we've said. Mm. And what I would say with that is you want to understand the essence words and the feeling words, because that's what you really want to focus on. So Mm. I'm working with an accountant right now They are a B Corp. And so we want their brand to feel purposeful, expert, strategic. Mm, mm. And it's a really interesting one. And I can't wait to do a case study on it because she is so amazing, this client. Really, really sort of a big thinker, very ambitious for her business, Mm. really incredibly good at what she does. And in her desire to stand out, she's kind of missed some of the fundamentals about the way that they communicate. So, for example, the photography at the moment on their website is getting in the way of people taking them seriously because it's so off the wall and it's so laid back and it's so casual that we're kind of missing that foundation of, yes, but do I trust them with my taxes? And it's a bit the same with their typography, but with the language that they use on the website and the way that their website is structured. It's so trying to be different that it's missing those foundations. So Mm -hmm. just being clear on really, and we've done lots of work looking at other B Corp accountants, other strategic and innovative accountants as well we've gone back and forth so many times on making sure that the creative is headed in the right direction because instinctively the entrepreneur founder has one aesthetic Hmm. and what's going to be right to communicate the expertise and the strategic thinking and the innovation that they bring is kind of the polar opposite yeah so we've really had to to test that out so the way that's showing up in the brand is in the way that we're structuring the website now that's not solely color psychology but the process that I'm using is really helping us 
keep coming back to what matters because the founder entrepreneur keeps wanting to pull us off track and go Mm. with what she personally responds to. And it's really helpful to have that centering thing and not just to bulldoze. You know, we had a couple of sessions where I was like, okay, let's think about whether the way you instinctively want to go is right mm-hmm. or whether yeah. all that work we did a couple of sessions ago still stands true because there is a conflict. So it's helping me mm. bring more sense and more strategy and more calm, I think, to the process. Mm. Yeah. Uh, it's helping us with the wording. So we know the kind of wording that she was using didn't have the weight that it yeah. needed. Yeah. It's helping us with the colors. So again, she's drawn to quite bright, clean colors and quite a Bauhaus aesthetic. Mm. But actually, if we want it to feel purposeful and innovative and strategic, well, actually, we need to pair that back. Mm-hmm. So we're going with something much simpler. And I remember that, you know, particularly on your photo shoots, the level of detail that you can then get into with the propping, the styling, the yeah. wardrobe, the color choices. I mean, when we did the book shoot for the Empowered Entrepreneur, the, yeah. the level of intricate detail and the things that, you know, the things that we were allowed in and not allowed in um, yeah. were, were were just very easy choices to make, weren't they? Because it's like, well, no, this doesn't fit with the message we're trying yeah. to convey. I managed to sneak a yeah. few things under the radar. There's a few more crystals than Fee would have ideally liked in that scenario. Um, but, you know, we had the slubby linens and we had the, you know, the beautiful battered book well there was lots of hand thrown pottery wasn't there which you know for someone like hoskin hobbs there's no hand thrown pottery it's all beautiful glass because it's just it's a different mood so it's about Mm. yeah it's about sort of bringing that brand to life whatever it is whatever the nuances of it are in a really subtle way and i think the reason that it matters is because without that ability to translate those nuances, it's very mm. easy to get stuck in the cliche. Yes, very much so. Yeah. So it enables us at every level to translate the impact, the essence, the look, the mm. feel from, like you say, everything from the photography to the tone of the copy to the imagery and the photo shoots to the to the layout of a website, mm. all of that stuff. So it comes across at every level of the yeah. brand and gives you that checking point to come back to, particularly if you've got an entrepreneur who has their own aesthetic. Because we, as often, you know, in creative space, often a creative entrepreneur will have their own leaning aesthetic. Yeah, totally. Do you know what I think it is? And I don't think we've ever articulated this before, but it gives you that very tangible ability to say, if I want a brand to feel like this, what does that look like? And and just to be able to know, and, and that doesn't mean that I know in an instant specifically what font I'm going to use or specifically which vase will be right or what flowers will be right. But it helps me get there very fast and it allows me to work at a very intuitive, instinctive level because I can follow my creativity and just kind of 
no, no, that's not going to be right. Let's go somewhere else. No, yeah, that's it. You know, and you can just, you don't have to overthink things when you master this. It's just amazing. Yeah, and I think that this sort of leads us into why it's such a powerful tool for the designers, because I can, you know, see the myriad benefits of an entrepreneur working with someone who has this at their fingertips. For a designer, the, the streamlining of their process and their approach mm. and their ability to get there faster like you say is key how else is this a game changer for designers oh, <laughs> at so many levels I mean I've talked at the start of this haven't I about how it helped us work more efficiently as a team so if you've mm. got a team of designers and they all understand color psychology it cuts down the time you're spending dramatically but it also cuts down the time that you're spending on revisions, on the creative meetings, because everyone's got this shorthand yeah. and they just get there faster in the first place. I think it allows you to create work that really sets your process and your brand apart because it allows you to, and again, I caveat this by saying when you've mastered it, You know, this is not something you're going to pick up in a blog post or a book. Or even the absolute essentials, right? I mean, the absolute essentials of psychology has a lot of information in it, but it only just gives the starting point, right? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't teach you the process. It just gives you the facts. And it's the application and, and the process, which I've not put anywhere other than the course. There's a lot to think about but it helps you dramatically with your clients because it helps you streamline a brief I mean I have never taken a brief from a client that is not full of red herrings that that doesn't have lots of wish listy things and I think as a brand designer you don't have to come up with a strategy for the client but you do need to to get a brief to a point where it's workable and you know if you've got lots of red herrings so we were talking earlier about a mortgage company that wanted to feel expert, approachable and caring. Now that again, you know, you I don't think, one, I don't think you can be all those things. I think mm-hmm. they jar because they sit across three seasons. And also knowing that mortgage company, I don't think they do need to be approachable. I think it's about the semantics. So it's it's maybe not about being approachable I think it's about absolutely being expert and knowing that these people know what they're talking about Mm. it's probably about being nurturing and it's about being efficient those are the three things having worked with this company that Mm. I would be focusing on now that really is brand strategy not brand but I know that a lot of designers want to include brand strategy in their toolkit because it's an easy way of extending your client spend and it's also a great way of making sure that actually you have got a brief that you can work with yeah I'm not sure how I would do brand strategy or any of this to be honest without this process in my toolkit because I the clarity and the insight and the precision that it brings is like completely game-changing isn't it yeah yeah, you definitely don't get it from anywhere else. And and like you say, it shortcuts that starting point. So you know where to look. And then with all then the creativity and the, the creative edge and the flair gets put into 
you know, how, how can you work within that basic framework to really give mm. something the edge? And there's yeah. a lot to play with, isn't there, in colour psychology? Yeah, yeah what, totally. What are some of the common misunderstandings about it, do you think, that you've come across? I think there's a, there's a real resistance in some places to take it on board because it, it can be seen to be a bit paint by numbersy or a bit kind of gimmicky. I don't know what the word is. Yeah, maybe a bit gimmicky. Maybe it's something that if you really are a branding expert, you don't resort to something as simplistic as mm. color psychology. I mean, that's a myth in itself, isn't it? The simplicity. The, the oh, 100%. Of it. Yeah. And, and not helped by the way I've talked about it. <laughs> In the past, you know, I've, you know, definitely in, in How to Style Your Brand, I've said, oh, you know, colour psychology is your secret weapon and it's amazing. And you just, you know, here's your four columns and away you go. And and it can be that simple. But actually, if you want to really realise the potential of it, it goes so much deeper. And Rukmini Patel, who's an interior designer, has come on every single one of the colour psychology seasonal workshops that I've done mm. so I host these amazing immersive workshops every season where you really get to the chance to experience the season as it's happening and we dive deeply into that one season mm. and yeah it's just amazing because it really gives you a chance to get to grips with the nuances of what's happening as you see it outside so as you build them up over the year it's really game changing. Anyway, winter. So one of the exercises I do is I gather together wallpaper samples, fabric samples, because they have so much pattern and they have those subtleties of the color and the paper that they're printed onto or the fabric that they're printed onto. And that will change how things feel. And I get them to work out, does this feel of the season or not? Mm. And Rukmini, who'd been to two by this point said to me I love this exercise because every time I get to this point I think I really know the season and then I start sifting through the papers and the, the fabrics and I realize that I know nothing <laughs> and, <laughs> oh, <bless her. laughs> and I was saying to her well you're obviously not coming back time and again to, to be <laughs> told that you realize nothing <laughs> not the best marketing strategy (laughs) not not what she's going to pay for is it but I think it is that thing of and she said the same you know you think it's very simple but the deeper you go into this Mm. the the more subtle you realize it is and I think that's where things get really exciting because I think instead of kind of saying well this is a winter brand and it's going to look like this it's Mm. about saying this brand is going to feel bold and show-stopping and dynamic. And I know exactly what's going to support that. And I know exactly what's going to get in the way. Mm. Yeah, lovely. So there's a sort of myth that it's overly simplistic or paint by yeah. numbers, or that it's something that can be mastered overnight. There's, yeah. What else are people misassuming about colour psychology do you think either as a designer or just generally in that entrepreneurial space I mean I think those are the main things I think there's a there's an expectation that if you have the facts at your fingertips you can apply it and I think you know it's very different 
applying this to your own brand than when you're being paid to do it for a client. Yeah. You know, if you want to bring a lev- this level of insight and you want to do it with integrity, you have to understand a lot more about the nuances as a designer or a brand strategist than you do as a client. So mm. I think the simplicity is a big thing, you know, there's a reason that that course, the Color Psychology for Brand Designers course has taken me two years to produce. And there's a reason that it's the price that it is. And it isn't just because I saw a gap in the market and, you know, I fancied taking my (laughs) chances because (laughs) (laughs) that's not what I'm in the business of doing. It's priced as it is because that's what it's worth. That's what value it will bring to your business. And also because it's a massive course. Yeah. So for a designer, if you're really serious about working to the full creative potential and and using colour psychology as a tool, there's mm. a lot to be said for taking it to that level, isn't there, and getting really granular. Um, what level of understanding, you know, if an entrepreneur isn't doing their own design, what's the level of clarity or understanding that an entrepreneur needs to be able to understand their designer brief their designer and 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 check the work what do we need as entrepreneurs less is the bottom line because you're only working with one aesthetic which is your brands rather than you know myriad different Mm. businesses all going on at the same time and and all the clashing personalities that come with that because obviously Mm. our our own personalities don't always reflect how the brand needs to come across. So it's much, much, much easier, simpler, and there's less to master if you're just looking at it from your brand's perspective. So it's about having that sort of very felt sense of what the season feels like. One of the reasons I did these workshops was because actually a client that had a summer brand said, I really want to know what summer feels like. I want to know what fonts I should be using. I want to know what colors I should be using. Well, that's fairly easy. Like you can get that stuff from a book, Mm. but knowing how to then translate that through maybe to the styling on your photography or being able to review how something's communicating that a designer's done, that requires a bit more of a felt sense. It's that understanding that sense of well what does spring feel like and then Mm. how does that translate through so you know it is fine lines it is um clean colors so if something's feeling a bit sluggish and a bit heavy and a bit thick it's going to jar with your fast moving joyful spring brand so it's sort Mm. of having that insight to be able to know that and that might be a font but it might be you know, it might be a slubby tablecloth. It might be like a really weighty loaf of bread rather than I was looking at Lily Vanilli's cakes this morning. They're so amazing. They're like mm. iced buttercream, quite retro-y cakes with beautiful piping. And they have these fabulous maraschino cherries on top in these jazzy colors with these lovely stalks coming out them. You know, that that's joyful. A spring mm. brand is probably not the place for some really worthy stone-baked rye you know (laughs) (laughs) oh that's just my cup of tea I would much rather have that (laughs) exactly and it's it's kind of so it's really 
I was going to say you don't need to overthink this stuff. I think when you've got that solid foundation in your mind, you really mm. can go with your inspiration and, and you can kind of edit and sense check as you go. But, yeah. but it's really helpful to have that foundation first so that you can then just go with the flow. Yeah, amazing. And I didn't sort of prep you for this question, but I'm really curious just before we wrap up, where do you see the potential? If we, if we take colour psychology forward and, and the applications of it, what's the potential of what could happen in design and in branding and in entrepreneurship with, with this stuff really being embedded at every level? Well, I think the best example I can give you of this is there was a, a lady that came on this round of Elevate. And I've done five Elevates now and um, have generally between kind of 12 and 20 people on each course. And each designer has between zero and 25 years of experience. So I'm dealing with a real gamut of designers. Some of them work for big agencies. Some of them work for big corporates. Some of them work internationally. Some of them are locally. Mm. And for those who don't know, Elevate is your mentoring program for designers, isn't it? It's a six, eight week mentoring program that they come through. Once a year, I set them a series of fictional briefs. And the idea is it meets you where you're at. So I'm I'm setting you these amazing briefs, really exciting brands. And it's about looking at, well, going through that process of, you know, working with the creative director and does this, does this feel right? Does it meet the brief? How could we elevate the visuals? Anyway, I knew from this cohort that the standard was really high. I was really blown away by quite a lot of the first rounds. Mm. But there was one girl that stuck out, which was, her name was Christine Lee. And she just nailed this design. It was brilliant. Mm. She really captured the essence. And that is unusual. Right. It's really unusual that somebody, this is as simple and as difficult as branding is, is you've got to create something that really meets the brand at the right level that really captures the essence of what makes it amazing and that elevates it and makes it feel aspirational, but not not in a way that's over-promising and makes it feel really enchanting. So it's it's as easy and as difficult as that. So round one, Christine nailed it. Brief two, completely different business, different asking for a different style, nailed it again. I was like, my goodness, this girl is really good. Brief three, nailed it again. And this is rare because what we often find with Elevate is you'll find that sometimes a brand resonates with the designer and they capture lots of the nuance, but it's not quite meeting the subtlety. It's not, you know, and that that's where often I'll focus a lot of my energy. Christine, every single time, nailed the brief, just nailed the energy and it was only when I was looking at their original joining questionnaires to write the journey at the end of Elevate that I realized Christine has spent 15 years in marketing. She has never designed anything before. 
and she has never worked with any clients before. So everything she's learned, she's learned from color psychology for brand designers and design for go-getters. And and it's the first time someone has consistently met the brief. Wow. It was mind-blowing. And I suppose that's really testament to how even without any other, and almost almost in a way, preferably without any other noise getting in the way, that you yeah. do have everything. Once you've got the process as well, that obviously yeah. you work them through in, in Elevate, the resonant brand method, that, that once you have that, you do have everything you need to do that piece. And wouldn't it be so exciting if if every entrepreneur had the had the confidence to be able to take their work to any designer and yeah. know that they were going to get something that was absolutely show-stopping and going to move their brand ahead commercially and just just nailed it in, in yeah. good time as well without having to spend an absolute fortune on iteration after iteration and, you know, the heartbreak of that and all of that. I mean, it's just, it's quite an exciting possibility. It's honestly, it's so exciting because I think everyone deserves a brand that that really speaks to what sets them apart and what makes their business special. And getting to that point where you have that, where you have something that really captures the nuances is so much harder than you might think. As an entrepreneur, once you have a brand that you know has nailed it and is communicating the right message, that just gives you as an entrepreneur so much more confidence in Mm. getting out there as well, doesn't it? Well, and it will have a big commercial impact because it really helps you own your space, which makes it easier to get the right clients and be seen in the right places and get noticed and build the traction that you deserve. So it has a big commercial impact. Amazing. Well, (laughs) that could be a wrap, folks. We love it. Yeah, I'd love to know your questions, though, on Colour Psychology. Mm. So ask away. And we will do what we can to um, do another episode to answer them. It's such a massive, massive topic, isn't it? And I'm yeah. I'm really conscious that I don't want it to seem super, super simple because that's doing the potential of it a massive disservice. And also I don't want it to seem like this big, heavy academic thing that's yeah. that's like a noose around your neck because it's not that either. So we've, I hope we've pitched it in a way that helps you get it and that seems inspiring but I would love to know your questions amazing yeah so get those in folks and we will do maybe a little micro episode on tackling some of those and I guess we will see you hear you next time hooray bye-bye bye Thank you so much for tuning in to Style and Substance. We really hope you've enjoyed the show. You can find more information on everything we've talked about by heading to the show notes or by visiting our websites at thebrand-stylist.com or elizabethcairns.com. If you like what you've heard, we'd love a review. We're a brand new show and your support makes all the difference. You can like and subscribe as well as giving us what we hope is a well-deserved five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love to hear what you think of the show too, so please do leave your comments, questions or suggestions for future episodes on our blogs. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Bye.